Bismillah. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wassalam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'ad. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. How's everybody doing? Good. Alhamdulillah, it's not a khutbah. You guys can say wa alaikum salam. So uh, today insha'Allah ta'ala we are continuing with uh, hadith number 9 of Arba'in al-Nawi in which Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu he narrates that he heard the Prophet that the Prophet said, What? Avoid whatever I forbid you to do, and do that which I command you to do to the best of your capacity. Indeed, the people before you went to their, basically what destroyed them, what destroyed the people before you was their excessive questioning on unnecessary matters, just excessive questioning about things that don't matter, and disagreement with their prophets, and disagreeing with their prophets. Now, what's interesting is that this hadith is narrated in Arba'in uh, al-Nawi, the 40 hadith of al-Nawi, in this style. Now, technically this a hadith is actually part of a larger hadith. The full context, you can see that, uh, again, Abu Huraira, he was narrating, he said, That the Prophet told the people, he was addressing a large group of people, and he said, Allah has made hajj obligatory upon you, so perform the hajj. And then, So a certain man in the crowd said, a certain man in the crowd said, Every year, Ya Rasulullah, So the Prophet remained quiet until he repeated a second and then repeated it a third time. So this man kept repeating this question. You know, he kept on saying it, Every year, Ya Rasulullah, every year, Ya Rasulullah. You know, and so you can see that the Prophet was just quiet. And then finally, after the third time, the Prophet responded, he said, had I said yes, it would have been obligatory upon you, and certainly you would not have been able to do it. So, leave me on whatever I leave you, or, 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 or yeah, leave me upon whatever I leave you with. In other words, whatever I tell you to do, just leave it at that. Don't keep, you know, excessively questioning. Because the people before you, they uh, were destroyed by the, their excessive questioning. Uh, they, and by disagreeing with their prophets. So if I command you something, do it as much as you can. And if I command you, if I uh, prohibit you from something, then leave it alone. So that's the larger hadith, if you will, that uh, covers the full context of the situation. So the first thing we want to talk about is, who is this Sahabi? Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu, his full name is Abdurrahman ibn Sakhar ibn Ad-Dawsi radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He embraced Islam in the seventh year of Hijrah, which uh, is rather late actually, so he was one of the later Sahaba, and yet, subhanAllah, he was so dedicated with spending every moment he possibly could with the Prophet sallallahu that he ended up narrating uh, uh, 5,374 ahadith. So, the, and this is actually something that was quite miraculous because the Prophet ﷺ made a specific du'a for him that he would be able to remember all of these ahadith. He made du'a for him because he was somebody so dedicated to ilm, so dedicated, he lived in a part of Ahl al-Sufa. Ahl al-Sufa was a group of people who would stay in like 
imagine if there's the masjid, the main masjid area, and then there's like a, a, a sort of a, a yard or an area outside of the masjid where people can sort of camp out, live, stay, etc. And they had their own, like, you know, you could say, um, what's it called, like a, a dorm or a hostel or whatever term you want to use. Basically, they had a certain area that people could stay in. And so these people, he was one of them, and he would stay there, and he would often just try to be around the Prophet whenever he possibly could. Obviously, obviously within limits, the Prophet would go home to his family, and so you can't follow him there. But everything else, he would try as much as he could to serve, to, 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 to serve the Prophet to, take, to do, follow him around, whatever he could. So, it's interesting as well, Abu Huraira, he uh, was a governor of Bahrain during the reign of Umar ibn al-Khattab. So, subhanAllah, uh, this is somebody who uh, actually was given such a position of authority as well. It's quite impressive. So let's get in right into the hadith. As the Prophet says, what? Whatever I forbid you from, then stay away from it. Now, when the Prophet forbids us from something, there's two, way, uh, two ways of an-nahi. An-nahi means to forbid something. This could be a tahrim yani it is haram. Tahrim meaning that it's completely uh, impermissible and uh, prohibited. And, or it could be al-kiraha. Al-kiraha al- 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 means what? Making something makruh, making something disliked. So you should try to stay away from it, but it's not necessarily evil or sinful if you do it. It's just something that is preferred that you do not do. Now this hadith seems to be specifically referring to what? Things that are strictly forbidden. Strictly forbidden. So it's more, it seems to be referring to a tahrim Things that are strictly forbidden. Whatever I strictly forbid you from, then what should you do? Just stay away from it completely. And then the second portion is, That and whatever I command you to, then do it. Uh, then, then do it. And I'll get to this, the, the next portion, in just a moment. Now, when the Prophet says that I command you to something, again, there's these two kinds of commanding to something. This is called al-ijab, making something wajib or obligatory. Or this is also called al-nadab. Al-nadab means that it is mustahab, it is preferred. It is something that is uh, good for you, but it's not necessarily an obligation. It is simply recommended. Now the Quran, Allah Taala tells us, just like this hadith, just like this hadith does, Allah says, "Fattakullah mustata'atu." That Allah says, "So fear Allah as much as you're able to." And this hadith as well says, "Mustata'atu," as much as you can. So we're going to go into detail as to what does this mean to fear Allah Taala as much as you can. Now, one idea that is important to keep in mind is that it's not permissible for a person to say to themselves, "Well, I know my capacity." And if Allah is telling me, fear Allah as much as you can, well, I know that you know, I can't pray five times a day, and I, I can't do this, and I can't stay away from haram, and I know myself, I can't do this and I can't do that, and therefore my Islam is different than your Islam. And so everybody has their own version of Islam based on their own ranking of themselves. Realistically, that's not how it works. It's actually quite the opposite. Allah Ta'ala knows your capacity. Allah is the one who designed you, and Allah Ta'ala knows all of our capacity. And with that, in view, with that in mind, Allah Ta'ala designed the Sharia in such a way that it is something that we can all, to the best of our ability, inshallah Ta'ala, a- a- apply and perform. And so nobody should say to themselves, without very, very clear-cut evidence, that, oh, this isn't for me. I know that the, the, the masses of the Muslims, they have to do this, that, or the other, but that's not for me. This doesn't apply to me. That's not the way it works. That's not what this hadith or even this ayah of Qur'an is talking about. Why? Because Allah knows your capacity, you do not know your own capacity. Allah Ta'ala made the sharia with knowing full, full, with full knowledge of our capacity, and so we should not uh, undercut ourselves. And in fact, when, when this ayah of uh, Allah Ta'ala says, فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ Fear Allah as much as you can. It doesn't mean that you evaluate yourself and try to aim as low as possible. 
because you have to combine it with the other ayah in which Allah Ta'ala says, says that I mention every single Jum'ah, we, we talk about it every, every khutbah, what's the ayah famously? Ya amanu, muslimun. You hear it every Jum'ah. Which means what? Oh, you who have believed, fear Allah as He should be feared. Fear Him as He should be feared. And do not die except in the state of Islam as a Muslim. So what does this imply? Fear Allah as much as you can, and fear Allah as much as He deserves to be feared. This implies what? That you should aim for maximum. But at the same time, some people might say, well, if I aim for my maximum, then what I'll do is I'll just stay up all night reading Qur'an and making dua and praying qiyam al-layl. But then what will you do? You'll probably pass out, miss fajr, and then miss work, and then it's not convenient. So it's beautiful actually that Allah says what? Fear Allah as much as He should be feared and don't die in a state of Islam. One implication here is what? Fear Allah as much as you can, because nobody knows when they're going to die. And so what that means is, fear Allah as much as you can, to your maximum sustainable amount. As in something that you can actually sustain. So obviously anybody can just do a, a blowout, you know, just like I'm going to go crazy tonight and, and worship Allah Ta'ala all night, just make dua for hours and hours and hours, and then ruin my tomorrow, you know, because I'll sleep in all day. That does, that's not sustainable, clearly, right? The idea is, when Allah says, until your death, and you recognize, I don't know when I'm going to die, the implication is what? Fear Allah Ta'ala to what is, whatever is your max that is still also sustainable. That level of taqwa, try to apply it as much as you can. Mastata'atum, as much as you can. So I hope that's clear, inshallah ta'ala. Now, when it comes to virtuous, a virtuous act outside of one's ability, because obviously, technically, there are certain things that are obligatory upon you that for some people, it falls outside of your ability, right? It becomes too difficult upon you. Uh, usually due to, let's say, sickness or whatever the case, uh, maybe injury, etc., right? So there's two categories, actually. One of them is to do as much as you can anyway. For instance, if you can't pray standing due to an injury, you still pray sitting. You still do it as much as you can. If you can't pray sitting, then you pray lying down. And in fact, the Prophet ﷺ says in a hadith in Sahih Bukhari, صَلِّ قَائِمًا فَإِنْ لَمْ تَسْتَطِعْ فَقَاعِدًا فَإِنْ لَمْ تَسْتَطِعْ فَعَلَى جَنْبٍ that pray while you are standing, and if you can't, then while you are sitting, and if you cannot, then lying on your side. Yes, and uh, this is the this this is where we get the beautiful legal maxim al qaida al fiqhiyya. This this legal maxim which says ma la yudraku kulluhu la yudraku kulluhu. That whatever we can't uh, be, whatever can't be achieved entirely isn't dropped entirely either. So just because you can't achieve it entirely doesn't mean you drop it entirely. Like you can't say, oh, I can't stand perfectly well and make rukur perfectly because my body's messed up. Therefore, I'll drop it entirely. And the answer is no. What, that which cannot be achieved entirely isn't dropped entirely. And this is a legal maxim that we know from Islam. However, there are exceptions to this. For instance, there are certain things that you do drop altogether. What are they? An example would be if somebody, let's say they are a diabetic and they can't fast for the entire day. They can only fast for half of the day. Should they... Fast for half of the day expecting half the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The answer is no. If you can't do the full entire fast, there is no half fast or one quarter fast, nothing like this. Actually, instead, what do you do? You simply say, I cannot fast, and therefore you can eat breakfast and lunch and dinner. You don't say, oh, I'll just skip breakfast. There is nothing like this. There is no ibadah in worshipping Allah ta'ala by saying, I'm going to do a half fast. This is not acceptable. So if you can't fast, then there are other ways to do that. Maybe if you get better, you can make it up later, or you can feed people instead, and so on and so forth. There's different ways to deal with it, but you don't say, I'll do half fasts. So th this has to be dropped altogether. Same thing with the idea of, let's say, freeing a slave, right? Uh, uh, there are certain sins that the expiation is to free a slave. And let's say, if you can't do that, then you can do something lesser than that. Let's say, for example, the, the ayah Allah Ta'ala mentions that you fast for two months consecutively. 
Now nobody can say to themselves, well, since it says as much as you can, and I can't free a full slave, then I'll take the, 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 the let's say, estimate price of how much this slave is worth, worth and, I'll, and I'll do half of it. No, it's either the full, or if you can't, then you drop to the next tier. There is no going half or a quarter or whatever the case is on certain types of ibadat, certain types of worship, specifically when it comes to kafarat or expiations of various sins. So I hope that's clear, inshallah ta'ala. Yes. So, then the Prophet says what? Uh, 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 that you should try to do it, whatever I command you to, as much as you can. So to go into a little bit more de in detail here, what is so fascinating about this portion of the hadith is that if you pay attention, you'll notice that the first half, the first portion of the hadith did not say as much as you can. It didn't say, the Prophet did not say, whatever I forbid you from, abstain from it as much as you can. He just said, abstain from it. You get this? You understand the difference? He just said, abstain from it. I didn't say as much as you can. I just said, abstain from it. Stay away from it. Completely. Then when it comes to what I command you to do, do it as much as, I, as much as you possibly can. So you guys see the difference between these two? One of them is just, look, no exceptions. Just stay away. And the other one is, whatever I command you, do it. And then it's, well, as, to your capacity, as much as, you, as much as you can. Obviously, there will be moments where you can't go uh, the entire full way. So you do it as much as you can. Yes. So, what does this imply? The fact that the Prophet did not make the exception of saying, stay away from evil as much as you can. He just said, stay away from it, period. What does that imply? It implies that doing haram acts because of a hardship is only acceptable under extreme, extreme circumstances. Right? So the idea of, oh, it was kind of hard for me. Like, let's say, for example, oh, it was hard for me to get a job because I was, you know, uh, you know, trying to get a job in an area where there's a lot of people that, I don't know, they worship a certain idol and they didn't like me. So you know what, I just thought I'd, you know, bow down to this idol so that they would see that I'm one of them and then they would like let me get the job and then I would do some business. You know, it was kind of, it was kind of getting tough on me, you know. Well, no, getting tough on you is not enough. There is the rukhsa, there is the exception if somebody puts a gun to your head, right? If somebody threatens your life or the life of your family or somebody, something extreme, right? Uh, a great loss of, or health, let's say, taking off a limb, or maybe even great amounts of wealth. I'm not talking about like, oh, I lost a little bit of business. No, we're talking about like, I'm going to burn down your house and things like this. In these extreme circumstances, then you can make the rukhsa, the, the, the exception of saying what? That therefore, okay, fine, yeah, yeah I, I do your bowing, even though obviously in your heart you only believe in Allah Ta'ala. But by the way, just so it's very clear, you don't have to take the rukhsa. You don't have to take the rukhsa. You don't have to take the, the exception uh, or, or, or this uh, concession. You don't have to take it. You can say, look, if you put a gun to my head and tell me, bow down to the idol, no. If you want to shoot, that's your business. You can shoot. I, I'm, I, just, I say no. So that is, that, is, that is valid. That is not considered like a suicide. Because you're not going to be a suicide. You, it's not, you're not the one holding the gun. He's the one who pulled the trigger. So, so clearly that's not suicide. That is, um, uh, that is the person uh, uh, killing you because of your beliefs. And that is perfectly valid as a position to take. You do whatever you, you, do whatever you got to do. <laughs> I'm going to stick to my deen. So, um, yes. The other very uh, amazing uh, lesson that we get from this hadith is what? The fact that the first one was, stay away from whatever I forbid you, period. And the second one is, do whatever I command you, as much as you can, implies that abstaining from haram is actually more important than doing what is commanded, especially when we're talking about recommended actions. In other words, we should have more focus on staying away from haram, because both are important. Nobody's, nobody's denying. What Allah commands you, you should do it. Whatever Allah forbids from you, you should stay away from it. Nobody's denying, you should do absolutely both. But based on this hadith, some scholars take the position that if you were to put them in a rank, actually 
the one, the, the staying away from the haram, that actually has a level above. And why is that the case? Well, there's many different uh, theories as to why that is the case. There's actually one very, very beautiful uh, quote, from, quote from Sahal ibn, ibn, Abdullah, ibn Abdullah at Tustari, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, or rahimahullah, he said what? A'mal birri ya'maluha al-bar wal-fajr. There's a very, very beautiful quote. I really, you know, when I read this, this is, I was like, yo, if you don't remember anything else, just remember this, because this is so powerful. I really think this should be like the highlight. Just remember this one, one quote, because it's just so powerful and it's so true. He says, good deeds are done by righteous people and wicked people, but nobody abstains from disobedience except for somebody who is truthful. So you, you see that... People come to the masjid, and obviously nobody's saying that's bad, it's good. Everybody should come to the masjid and pray their salawat. But some people come to the masjid and they do the good deeds of praying in the masjid, and then they go home. Some people go home and do evil things when they're by themselves. Other people go home and they do good things, right? So, alhamdulillah, I'm not putting down the masjid. Obviously, it's a, it's a fantastic thing if we come to the masjid and we do good deeds. But what this uh, 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 shaykh is saying is very beautifully, what this alim is saying, rahimahullah, he's saying, look, good deeds are done by righteous and wicked people alike. You know, sometimes politicians, you know, oh, we're going to donate this many thousands or millions of dollars to this and this charity, even though they're the most corrupt people in the world. You know, when it comes to good deeds, both good and bad people do it. But when it comes to abstaining from evil, this is something that is exclusive to the righteous. It is only something that is from a siddiq, somebody who is 100, completely truthful and honest in their iman and in their faith. Somebody who's reached a really high level that they can actually abstain from evil to a, a very high extent, subhanAllah. So there's a very beautiful quote, and it's really something to think about. And this was actually, you would find many different sayings from the Sahaba that would highlight this fact as well. That would highlight the idea that it's not just like you, they would say, we see you, the next generation and the generation after this, we see you younger generations, you guys are doing great big good deeds, but at the same time you have a lot of weaknesses, right? And we see this sort of the pendulum swing within you guys. Us, you might look down on us and think, oh, you don't do as great deeds as us, but we stay away from evil. That's what makes us, that's what makes it very, uh, makes us very unique. I have some quotes along these lines, inshallah ta'ala. Actually, in fact, the first one is actually from the Prophet He says what? He gave advice and said, this is part of a longer hadith, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. But basically, uh, this one portion says, He says, be on guard and stay away from and protect yourself from the unlawful things and you will be the greatest of worshippers. You'll be the best of worshippers. Why? Because again, lots of people worship Allah. Many people worship Allah, but they worship Allah and then they mix it with a lot of haram things at the same time. But if you can say, listen, I'll worship Allah obviously to the, my obligations. I'll pray my five daily salawat. But maybe I don't pray all night. And maybe I'm not the greatest, you know, uh, I don't know, in terms of memorizing Quran and reciting and giving lots of sadaqah. And maybe I don't have a lot of extra deeds. But you know what I do? I stay away from haram. I stay away from haram. My money is, is clean. My food is clean. You know, when, when, oh, I, don't, I don't engage in, in, in watching the wrong things, in, in hearing the wrong things, in talking about people. I don't do any, I, I stay away from the haram. Even if my actions are not so impressive, if all you have is that, then subhanAllah, this puts you above, this puts, puts you above the rest. And by the way, as a side point, think about this from just from a logical perspective. Think about how negative it could be if somebody keeps telling themselves, Let's say based on this hadith, there's, a, there's another hadith where the Prophet says what? Follow up a bad deed with a good deed and it'll wipe it away. Yes, that's true. But does that give you a license to do evil? Does that mean I could do really, really bad as long as I follow it up with really, really good? You know? So I'll spend one night in the club and just go crazy and the next night in the qiyam will lay all night. And I'll keep on oscillating. Why? Because one cancels out the other. No. 
we'll get into this hadith later, inshallah, it's also in Arba'in Nawi. Because the hadith begins by saying, Fear Allah as much uh, wherever you are. So it starts with taqwa. Try to abstain. But if you fall short here or there, then follow it up. Then follow it up with something good. That doesn't, it's not a license to swing. Think about how dangerous it is if somebody develops this mentality of, I'll just let the, sw the pendulum swing to really, really bad, then really, really good to, to wipe it out. And then back and forth and back and forth. Think about what type of image they're giving to Islam. Imagine young Muslims, uh, uh, Muslims that are you know, weaker in their faith, maybe on the fence, non-Muslims, they watch this and they say, is this what Islam teaches you? I saw this guy, this guy is a regular club goer and a regular, regular masjid praying. He's the imam, his recitation is beautiful. What's going on here? You know, it, it ruins the image of Islam. It ruins the image of Islam because of this, these huge swings. And so actually, it's much better to say, look, maybe my deeds are small, but at least I really focus on staying away from haram. That's much better, and based on this hadith and, and multiple as well, uh, other uh, sayings and narrations. Sure, and we're going to continue in the second half, inshallah.